tonight on Global News Hour, a Vancouver Police Department employee on suspension following the death of a man in custody. Plus, people here do not understand how fast that the water can actually go. Long weekend tragedy, a man dies trying to save a dog at Cypress Falls Park. And then, I mean, what else can you do on a ferry? I mean, maybe a hot dog bender. <laughs> Reaction to the news that the buffet will not return to BC Ferries. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Two police watchdog agencies are investigating the actions of a Vancouver Police Department employee. As Catherine Urquhart reports in this Global News exclusive, it follows a sudden death at Vancouver Jail earlier this month. A Vancouver Police Department employee, who sources say is a jail guard, has been suspended and two investigations are underway. It follows the in-custody death of a person who is in the Vancouver jail cells. That person had been arrested April 30th. The next morning, they were found to be in distress and taken to hospital, where they died soon after. The Independent Investigations Office is involved in the case, saying initial investigative steps will seek to confirm the details of what occurred during the arrest and while the man was in cells, in addition to the cause of the man's distress. The Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner told Global News, I can confirm that the department reported this matter to the OPCC consistent with their statutory obligations, and the commissioner will be issuing an order of investigation into the matter. Arthur Schaefer with the Centre for Applied Ethics says the case shows the need for greater transparency. As one scandal tumbles down after another, they seem to be incapable of learning that transparency, openness, honesty, and accountability increase their credibility. They are so secretive that it's impossible not to suspect that they're covering up. Both investigations are expected to include reviews of whether or not regular checks were done on the inmate, as is required. As for the deceased individual, they have not been publicly identified. Vancouver police are saying very little other than the employee is now suspended with pay. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Now to a tragedy this long weekend, particularly given the repeated warnings to stay away from fast-moving rivers and streams right now. A man and a dog both drowned in West Vancouver after the pet got away and ended up in the swollen water of Cypress Falls Park. Como Carmali reports. Rescue crews working feverishly in pitch black conditions Friday night, searching for a man in his 40s and a dog. Both had gone into the water near Cypress Falls in West Vancouver. Hope was fading fast. Unfortunately, around midnight, we decided to call off the search. Fire crews say around 9 p.m. the dog went into the water. The man jumped in to try and save the canine, but was also swept away by the fast-moving current. By Saturday morning, the search ended in tragedy. They have recovered the body of the, the subject and the dog. Rescuers warn with higher temperatures, the conditions around rivers and creeks can be deadly. Uh, we're getting a lot of runoff from the uh, melting snow. 
Um, so the creeks and rivers are high and very turbulent. It happens almost every year. Dogs being pulled in by the Cypress Creek current. This incident in 2021 saw crews successfully rescue a Rottweiler, one of the few happy endings. Sandra Smith has been pushing to get the district of West Vancouver to put up better barricades along the falls. They said instead that they would be putting up warning signs. I told them that dogs could not read. Now questions on what needs to be done to stop this from happening again. I wish I had, I wish I had tried to do more, but I didn't feel I was getting taken seriously. And I feel for this family deeply. The district of West Vancouver did not respond in time for our deadline. It's a dangerous time of the year right now. Until then, the responsibility falls on the dog owners. Uh, the best thing to do is, uh, ideally, is keep your dog on the leash uh, the entire time. Uh, then there's no uh, chance your dog's going to bolt uh, when it hears water. Warning them not to jump in after their dogs, since more often than not, the canines will likely find their way back to shore. Kamal Karamali, Global News. In the interior, high water levels in the Shushwap have prompted the city of Enderby to close two public facilities. Tui Park is closed to the public along with the boat launch on Kildonan. People are asked not to jump the gate or go around the barriers. The Emergency Operations Centre has not been activated yet, but could be if conditions get worse. Sandbags are available in Enderby at the public works yard if needed. Flood advisories have been issued for properties in the unprotected floodplain areas in the township of Langley after the mission gauge on the Fraser River reached 5.5 meters this week. This includes Northwest Langley, Glen Valley and Fort Langley. The rising water levels also mean Marina Park boat launch is set to close at dusk tonight. Several other trails have also been closed, but no order to evacuate has been issued. To the wildfire front in this province now, particularly in the Peace region, favorable conditions have allowed fire crews to conduct controlled fires along Highway 97. Crews plan to burn more than 2,000 hectares of forest on the eastern edge of the Stoddard Creek Fire north of Fort St. John. The goal is to secure the road and prevent the fire from burning back toward the highway when the winds are forecast to shift tomorrow. Northerly winds are expected at 30 kilometers an hour, pushing the flames back toward the south. Evacuation orders and alerts remain in effect for thousands of square kilometers in the peace. Farther north, crews are using a so-called modified response on the Donnie Creek fire. That means they're focusing on minimizing damage and costs. The wildfire service says winds have significantly increased the fire's intensity on the north side. An evacuation order, including the Dag River First Nation, remains in effect. For more on what fire crews there can expect in the next day or two, here's meteorologist Yvonne Shell. And Yvonne, what is on the way? Very windy conditions that are going to shift through the day tomorrow. We're still going to be tracking a lot of instability, and that'll be the big concern. We're looking at the risk of thunderstorms that could produce lightning across the region. A quick glance at what it's sitting at right now. I've taken Fort St. John, so it's at very high risk. That'll continue overnight in towards the morning hours. Now, the air quality health index will likely cl push closer to 7 through the day. 
but it'll still be staying at seven. So those with respiratory issues will want to try and limit the amount of time spent outdoors. So there's where we're seeing Fort St. John at very high at 10 plus. Most areas in Quinnell also sitting at a high risk and then towards the south we're at a lower risk at this hour. We are seeing the smoky skies bulletin for the northeastern corners of the province. So those areas still impacted over the next 24 and 48 hours. Now when I come back we've been tracking thunderstorms. We've got a severe thunderstorm warning that is in effect. I'll have more coming up very shortly. Julie. Thanks Yvonne. Vancouver police are investigating an assault outside St. Paul's Hospital in the downtown core. BPD says the attack happened at about 11 o'clock this morning. Two people tell Global News a person was stabbed, one person was arrested, and the victim suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Police add early evidence suggests it was a targeted assault and police are still investigating. A Kamloops man has been arrested and charged in connection to a string of suspicious fires. Monday evening, fire crews responded to a series of dumpster fires through the city's downtown. All of them were put out and police say one came close to spreading to a nearby building. Now Kamloops RCMP say a suspect was arrested Wednesday. 22-year-old Williams Aaron Lamb faces four counts of arson and made his first appearance in court yesterday. He remains in custody until his next court appearance. Tuesday. BC's Conservation Officer Service says a suspect had a hard time last night covering up his loaded firearm or his liquor and succeeded in doing neither. The service released this photo of a seizure in the Ominica region of north of Prince George. Now, it shows a loaded firearm in the passenger's seat, along with an open beer spilled on the floor. The service says the situation is nothing that embarrassment and fines did not rem remedy. A change to tell you about as to how cannabis can be displayed for sale in British Columbia. As Aaron MacArthur reports, the government is removing a specific rule after retailers expressed, ex ex sorry, expressed concerns over their safety. Across Vancouver Friday night, cannabis retailers were removing wrapping from their windows. Up until now, the opaque film all but a requirement of their provincial license. The law made it clear no one was allowed to see cannabis products or sales transactions from the street. I understand legalizing cannabis was a big deal, but you know our safety, our customer safety shouldn't be at risk. That law was amended Friday in the name of safety. Earlier this year, an attempted armed robbery at Kingsway Cannabis was caught on security camera. No one was hurt and the would-be robber left empty-handed, but it highlighted a safety concern. The opaque windows meant staff were isolated and put in potentially dangerous situations. The government agreed and acted quickly to bring about the changes. I woke up today to an email that was uh, better than Christmas. People that drive by, they won't give it a second thought about what's going on in here. It'll be no different than the insurance place or the uh, Latin food market next door. The Retail Cannabis Council says the botched robbery was a catalyst for government to take action. The organization relieved its members' concerns were listened to, both from a safety standpoint and the stigma the window screens created for shop owners, arguing their products no different than what's sold in a liquor store. We had been asking for these measures for, um, you know, uh, about a year in advance, but really seriously got into the conversation in April. And we've seen this change happen, you know, in middle of May. So that's a, an incredible turnaround time. The law still prohibits window displays of cannabis products, 
and retailers aren't quite sure what that means or how close internal displays can be to the windows. But most are confident the details can be worked out with inspectors. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A staffing shortage means that it's foot passengers only to Bowen Island for the rest of the evening. BC ferries canceled afternoon and evening sailings between Horseshoe Bay and Snug Cove, blaming a crew shortage. Instead, the ferry service chartered a pair of water taxis to serve the route, but they can only handle foot passengers. Six round trips were canceled, with some residents saying the substitution means they can't get home today. Coming up on Global News Hour, the return of a controversial event. More on the Cloverdale Rodeo as concerns surface once again about the safety and treatment of the animals. And pulling out the bike lanes, we have reaction to the imminent removal in Stanley Park when we come back. The Cloverdale Rodeo returned this long weekend after a three-year hiatus due in part to the pandemic. But as Emily Lazatin reports, the debate over the annual spring event remains heated. Decades of tradition, food, rides and games. But this year, on the Cloverdale Rodeo's 75th anniversary, activists are drawing attention. The message? Humans are bullying animals for entertainment. So time to get rid of it. Exactly. Rodeos are really a thing of the past. Bull riding, saddle bronc riding and barrel racing. They argue it's abuse on full display. The reason that they buck in the first place, the bulls and the horses, is because they've done something where they've attached a device called the flank strap to the animal, which uh, creates pressure on the soft underbelly of the animal, causing them to feel uncomfortable and buck. Concern over the welfare of animals is nothing new. The Vancouver Humane Society has campaigned for years for changes. And this year, the BCSPCA is encouraging people to boycott the sport. The organization says it does not support the infliction of pain or suffering of animals. I actually do agree. They should get rid of them. They should discontinue it. Absolutely. Yep, I'll be okay with that. I don't think the cows and stuff like that appreciate it. I'm, I'm sure they got better things to do than being tied up. It's my first time. I really enjoyed it. In 2007, the Cloverdale Rodeo Association agreed to remove four events from its roster, including calf roping and steer wrestling. But there's growing criticism in B.C. and around the world. In the province, rodeos are banned in the city of Vancouver, Port Moody and the District of North Vancouver. In a statement, the Cloverdale Rodeo Association says it does not support animal rights philosophies that call for the end of all use and interaction with animals. It goes on to say, we believe that all rodeo events and rodeo animal welfare practices in pro rodeos should be observed and viewed only on an animal-by-animal -animal basis, not by the rodeo events. This group here disagrees. What the right thing to do is find another way to entertain yourself that doesn't involve tormenting animals. They say it's time to buck the rodeo and get with the times. Emily Lazatin, Global News. This weekend, staff at the Vancouver Park Board have begun the preliminary work to remove the temporary bike lane in Stanley Park. Back in February, the ABC-dominated Park Board voted to get rid of the divisive lane. But as Paul Johnson reports, that has not stopped the debate over accessing the park. Driving through Stanley Park Saturday, you could see much of the pandemic-era bike lanes still marked off and in place. It's a setup that's coming to an end, though, 
as the City and Park Board confirmed that work began Friday night to restore the roads to their previous car-centric configuration. Bad idea. Some tourists we spoke with Saturday were shocked that Vancouver would make such a move. This cyclist is a regular visitor from one of the most pro-car parts of North America. Personally, I think they should be going the other way. You know, they should be like in Europe where there's a lot more bike lanes and people are moving around on bicycles. Um, but we have the same problem in Los Angeles. The change is coming following the ABC movement's political sweep of the park board. The bike lanes were a creature of the previous board, and supporters loved the enhanced feeling of peace and safety and saw it as a win for climate security. But others say it made it harder for families and people with mobility issues to enjoy the park. And as for acting more European, they said, well, we're not Europe. I, I agree. Like, I like cycling a lot, but I, I think we still have to be, have access to the park for cars, especially with that horse one, because it slows everybody down if you're stuck behind that one. A pro-bike lane group has been holding demonstrations against the change and has another one scheduled for Sunday, where they say they intend to block car traffic in the park. While others are able to get away with that, we'll see if it works for them. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. Still to come, the execution of three men in Iran. Despite international outcry, the Islamic Republic of Iran says the killings were justified, but that's triggered a protest here in Vancouver. Plus, what some people can do to decrease the risk of developing Parkinson's disease. Stay with us. Air Airlines has been ordered to pay a passenger more than $2,600 in compensation after he was denied boarding due to a glitch in the system. On the evening of July 18th last year, Mohammed Adel Yunus bought a flare ticket for a flight out of Toronto. It was supposed to leave earlier that day, but was delayed until the morning of the 19th. But when he showed up at the airport, staff denied him boarding. Eunice sued through BC's Civil Resolution Tribunal. Flair argued Eunice was only able to book his ticket because of a glitch in the system. In a decision released yesterday, the tribunal ruled it wasn't the passenger's fault and ordered the airline to pay Eunice $2,622 sorry, $2, rather, in compensation. There has been global outcry after the Islamic Republic executed three protesters Friday morning. The United Nations says Iran is on an execution spree where each hour six people are hanged in Iran. Here in Vancouver, a large crowd took to the streets, joining others around the world to demonstrate their outrage and demand change. Nagar Moshtahedi reports. calling for an end to executions in Iran. Amid a hanging spree, three protesters executed, Majid Kazemi, Salemir Hashemi, and Said Yaqubi in Esfahan Friday morning. The Islamic regime had charged them with, quote, waging war against God. In an audio file leaked from prison, Kazemi said he was tortured into making false confessions. Now heart-wrenching scenes like this unfolding. Their families in mourning. In Vancouver, thousands united in their grief, but also in their resolve. The world is watching. Everyone is talking. Oh, we don't see real actions. 
Iranian life matters. Demonstrations happening in cities across the country and around the world, led by the families of Flight 752. People also taking to the streets in cities across Iran. We are so worried about our young generation, which its only demand is freedom and justice. In three and a half months, they have been executing 267 people. According to NGO Iran Human Rights, that's more than five people executed per day. An alarming statistic representing people, lives lost in an inhumane way. We cry all the time. I don't know why the world don't hurt us. As people across the world ask, what more needs to happen to make this stop? Negar Moshahedi, Global News. A B.C. regional district says it has postponed a set of meetings for its upcoming climate action plan due to misinformation and alleged threats. The regional district of Central Kootenai, which includes the cities of Nelson and Castlegar, was planning to host open houses next week on its proposed climate change plan. The district's board chair says misinformation about it began to circulate online. Staff also began to receive threatening and intimidating messages, leading the district to postpone the events for safety purposes. I myself as a director had received some messages around you know, how comfortable do I feel being a part of a human control experiment and, you know, watch your back and even put this through, you know, just be careful because you're, you know, you're changing our lives. Like language for me, that wasn't so bad as a politician, you got to roll with punches. And if it's language, I don't have a problem with it. For our staff, I do know they received some concerning threats regarding safety. And that was the line. Staff will deliver recommendations at the regional district's meeting in June on how it can move forward with its climate plan. It will no longer be implemented in August as originally planned. In health matters, getting regular exercise can help decrease the risk of developing Parkinson's disease. A study in the online issue of Neurology found that female participants who exercised the most had a 25% lower rate of developing rather developing, the debilitating disease. That's compared to those who exercised the least. Regular exercise included activities like biking, walking, and even gardening and cleaning. Coming up on the news hour, the latest on the fires in Alberta, putting firefighters on high alert as extremely active fires threaten communities. More on a fire ban when we come back. You're watching Global BC. Fire ban is in effect across Alberta due to wildfires with a thick blanket of smoke covering much of the province. There are 91 wildfires burning across the province, 25 of them out of control. So far this year, the fires have burned more than 8,400 square kilometers. More than 2,800 firefighters have been deployed from across Canada and the United States. Officials say the fire danger remains high to extreme in much of the province. With the smoke still in the air in much of the province, it's a reminder of how intense this fire season is. Smoke makes it difficult for us to fly to assess and action wildfires from the air, but it does create cooler conditions that can weaken fire behavior. We're seeing scattered showers and thunderstorms uh, in the southwest boreal today and along the northern part of the Rocky Mountains. 
While showers will certainly be welcomed by firefighters, we monitor thunderstorms very carefully. Cooler temperatures are set to move into the fire zone tomorrow, providing some relief to fire crews. Well, Yvonne is back, and I'm sure BC would like to see the same. Is that going to be the case? Yeah, a few areas are actually going to be a touch cooler in the coming days. I'll show you that coming up in just a moment. But a quick glance at what we're seeing right now at this hour. We're at 19 degrees. We've got a few clouds in the mix, and there is a bit more cloud cover uh, for most areas along the south coast for tomorrow. All right, the hot spot so far for Lytton. This is for the province and across the country, sitting at 34.9. And unofficially, these are some temperature records. This should actually stay for today, so Saturday. But Lytton. 34.9 old record of 20 uh, 2017 was 30 30.1 Soyuz Lillooet Kamloops all included within that and Whistler even getting up to 27.1 now the active weather right now is for the southern interior we are tracking a line of thunderstorms across the region could see strong winds the potential for some lightning we can see that right now on the satellite and radar we could see hail and very heavy rain across the region extending in towards the southeastern corners right now we've got the severe thunderstorm warning that's including Arrow lakes boundary and now it's extended in towards the southern half of the Okanagan so Penticton included within that we'll be tracking that within the next hour or two it'll dissipate but then we've got the potential once again and the risk of thunderstorms for the afternoon and early evening hours tomorrow blip in the forecast though along the south coast will be a bit more cloud cover and a few isolated showers will pick up in the mix a reminder the fire danger rating for the northeastern corners of the province we're sitting at high to extreme we're looking at the risk of thunderstorms extending in towards the peace the central and southern interior and moderate to high for the rating as we look ahead towards the next few days. Now the northern half of the province along the coast with the few isolated showers that risk of thunderstorms is for the peace tomorrow we'll be watching that very closely. The potential for lightning will be across the central and southern interior but it'll be a touch cooler for Monday Tuesday for the southern interior temperatures will be dipping into the low 20s and a few spots upper teens. Now most areas along the south coast with that cloud cover we've got a few isolated showers so we are going to to see the potential for a few spotty showers tomorrow, but then it rebounds quite quickly. That looks to be for a Monday to round off the long weekend. We'll be up to 17 degrees Wednesday, Thursday, back into plenty of sunshine with highs between 19 and 22. Julie. All right. Thanks, Yvonne. The Victoria Day long weekend also means most of the outdoor pools in Vancouver are opening up for the season. The second beach pool in Stanley Park and the new Brighton pool in East Van open today. While Maple Grove and Hillcrest pools will open June 15th, it's not yet clear when Kitts pool will reopen since it's still undergoing repairs after being damaged during last January's King Tide. But the park board says it expects to have it open by June. Despite the delay there, many Vancouverites were just happy to get a chance to get back in the water. The pool is open! I'm so, I'm so excited. I can't stand it. I've been coming here for 30 years, and this is going to be one hell of a day. So I'm looking forward to getting in there. I'm a, a traditional dancer, a grass dancer. So being, like you said earlier, in low impact, um, being able to run in the water and get the cardio up. The uh, pool process to open up is a huge uh, amount of work to make it ready for today, the long weekend day. And I think people are really excited based on the number of questions, comments, and feedback we get. I think it's a huge part of people's summer. Yeah, I think we'd all like to be in the pool today. Summer's here. Actually, speaking of pool, and athletes do the cold pool, right? Mm -hmm. They do the ice bath. I love it. Which, well, you, oh, really? Do you I've do done it, it yeah. Oh, well, yeah. okay, you're, you're much braver than I am. <laughs> Jay Janauer did that at uh, Lions Camp in Kamloops. The players need to do it these days. It's a great way to 
to settle down the body. So yes. that'll be interesting to see. And also in, uh, in, in more like real sports, the uh, <laughs> PGA Championship, uh, Championships going on and the Canadian content's outstanding. Corey Connors right around the lead. Adam Svensson's in there as well. So highlights of that coming up as well. Awesome, thanks Barry. Well still to come, assigning a dollar amount to a massive fire. More on the fires near Ashcroft in 2017 as researchers measure the impact of the devastation. Stay with us as Global News Hour continues. All your local news. All your breaking news. All the news you need. Get it at 6. Global News Hour at 6. New research is trying to quantify the ecological losses from a forest fire six years ago near Ashcroft. The 2017 Elephant Hill fire consumed more than 1900 square kilometers. Researchers measured the fire's ongoing effects on food, water, timber and the people and assigned a massive dollar value. Adam Donnelly of CFJC News reports. On July 6, 2017, a fire sparked near Elephant Hill close to Ashcroft. By the time it was considered under control, the fire burned more than 1,900 square kilometers of forest and grassland and claimed people's homes and livelihoods. Last week, the Sequemakulu Restoration and Stewardship Society released a report on the economic impact of that terrible fire. The Indigenous communities that were share this traditional territory were impacted in the way that it, um, a way of life was lost. Your wildlife is gone, your plants, your medicines, your food sources are gone. How do we go about um, putting a value to those, that way of life that was lost? Enter Susan Todd and Solstice Sustainability Works. Todd specializes in sustainability and has done significant work in natural capital accounting, essentially putting a value on nature. Todd came up with a number for what was lost as a result of that fire, $1 billion in value per year. It is a, a big number, of, you know, up to a billion dollars a year of services that nature is providing year in, year out, seemingly for free. A large chunk of the value comes from the benefits forests and streams have for water purification and regulation, more than $500 million. However, the benefits people who reside in those areas have lost are significant as well, Traditional food gathering was pegged at $39 million lost per year, while the loss of culture and well-being comes in at around $26 million. What does it mean to people to, to lose those? How does it affect their well-being, their mental health, and what are, what are the healing costs? So what's it going to take to recover from that in terms of healing? What we're really trying to do is, you know, highlight the value of a balanced ecosystem. Looking at taking steps to preserve and protect it I think is our biggest focus around around this document. The biggest part of it, I think, is just identifying or maybe making people aware um, so that the right decisions are being made around our forests and how our forests are managed. Adam Donnelly, CFJC News. Coming up in sports, atop of the leaderboard, Canadian Corey Connors' steady bogey-free play is paying off at the PGA Championship. There's much more when we come back. Focus on the politics. Focus on the players. Focus on the province. Focus BC, your inside guide to BC politics with host Richard Zussman on BC One. Head to the Pacific Coliseum for the Jurassic World live tour. Don't miss this action-packed live arena show. 
some of Jurassic World's most iconic dinosaurs, including Blue the Raptor, Stegosaurus, Triceratops, and the mighty T-Rex. This may head to Thunderbird Show Park. The family can enjoy world-class show jumping, an array of restaurants, bars, and boutique shops, face painting, and pony rides at each of the main spectator events. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event. Build your community. Global BC Community Hub. Bringing your worlds together. Barry is back with sports and a Canadian golfer is sure making us all proud right yeah, now. It's, you know, the majors are, are fun to watch at the best of times, but when uh, Canadians are in contention, makes it uh, even that much better, and that's the case this weekend. Thanks, Julie. Canada's only had a single men's major golf champion, that being Mike Weir at the Masters in 2003, but with the crop of Maple Leaf talent on the PGA Tour right now, that could change sooner rather than later. Ontario's Corey Connors began the day tied for the lead at the PGA Championship in Rochester, New York, one of three Canadian in the top 10 to start round three. Steady rain for most of the day in Rochester. It was cold and miserable conditions, but Connors got some good mojo early. Nine footer for par on the first hole, knocks it in, and he was on his way. That was good for the confidence. His playing partner, Scotty Scheffler, went the other way. First hole, four footer for par. And he misses. He was four over on the front, finished with a three over 73, a big surprise from the world number two. Connors, all pars, first seven holes. Then at the eighth, sticks his approach. The green softening with all the rain, and Connors hits it to three feet, made the birdie, got to six under. He had a two-shot lead. Norway's Victor Hovland also in the hunt. He will drain the birdie here at 11, gets him to five under. And he's a shot behind Connors. Connors so solid. You have to make these five and six footers for par to keep the momentum going. And he did that all day long. Meanwhile, Surrey's Adam Spenson began the day in 10th on the 16th hole from 41 feet. And he will make the birdie. Spenson with a three over 73 today. He is tied 20th along with fellow Canadian Taylor Pendrith at plus three. Adam Hadwin tied 42nd at plus six. This is PGA teaching pro Michael Block. What a story he's been. 20 club pros get to play in this tournament every year. Only he made the cut and he's contending. He's at uh, Mine at even par and he's eighth and the crowd loves him. He'll play with Rory McIlroy tomorrow. Played with Justin Rose today. Back to Connors. Tee shot on the par 315th. Hits it to nine feet. Just continuing to strike the ball. And then Connors finishes the job. Rolls in the birdie to get to minus seven. And he's back into the solo lead. But here comes Brooks Kepka, Built for the majors. Always in contention. And he's healthy now. That knee much better. Rolls in the long birdie at 17. Had the best round of the day by a mile. Four under 66. He posts six under. And then disaster for Connors at the 16th. Hitting out of the bunker. Fires his shot into the lip of the bunker his ball plugs he ends up with a double bogey his only blemish of the day so Connors now tied for second at five under with Hovland Kepka has the 54 hole lead Connors will play in the second last group tomorrow which might be a bit less pressure alongside Bryson DeChambeau but Connors still right there for that first major. The Whitecaps are in the middle of a vicious schedule right now. They have five more games in the next 14 days, so it won't get easier, but they have to grind it out and get some points during this stretch to give themselves a fighting chance at a playoff spot. Tonight's Vanny side takes on first place Seattle at BC Place, 7.30 start, and the radio voice of the Whitecaps, Acer Rahman, is at the stadium with a preview. 
Yeah, thanks, Barry. A big game for the Vancouver Whitecaps. They've lost their last two games, both of those on the road, but they're back at BC Place, and it's a welcoming home party for the Vancouver Whitecaps next-gen night, which means uh, the young kids will be out in attendance cheering on the home team, and uh, that's been the bright spot for the Whitecaps this season, some of the young stars. I'm joined now by Colin Miller, color commentator for this match on AM730. Colin, which young players are you excited to see on this Whitecaps team tonight? Yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing and Ali Ahmed. He's in a different position tonight, of course. Uh, we, he's been more of an attacking number eight, if you like, a, a more of a central midfield player coming from a deeper position. Uh, this time he's playing as a wing back. The Whitecaps have changed their system here tonight to three at the back with two wide midfield players or two wing backs. So that'll be a big test for him. I'm not going forward, I'm concerned about, uh, but certainly defensively his starting position against a very good Seattle Sounders side. Yeah, a bit of a change, Colin. Uh, back three for the first time this season, something that Vanny Sartini used a lot last season. We'll see if they can keep a clean sheet. Yohei Takaoka in goal once again for the Vancouver Whitecaps. A big game, a Cascadia clash here at BC Place. Back to you. All right, thanks, guys. Stanley Cup playoffs. Game two, Panthers-Hurricanes after that marathon four-overtime game one. How much gas in the tank would these guys have tonight? Canes came out strong, and it's the former Canuck defenseman, Jalen Chatfield, up on the play. That's his first-ever Stanley Cup playoff goal. one nothing Canes after one. They outshot Florida 20-8, to but the Panthers weathered the storm and tied it. Alexander Barkov with a fancy little move here beats Antti Ranta with a Great Deke, 1-1. They are late in the second. World Hockey Championships from Riga, Latvia. Tyler Toffoli and Team Canada taking on Switzerland. Both teams 4-0. Second period, Toffoli gives Canada the lead. The screen wrister finding the back of the net on the power play. 1-0 Canada, but the Swiss took over after that. They went up 2-1, and then Andres Ambul with a couple of cracks at it beats Samuel Montembeau. And Ambul will roof the rebound. Swiss win 3-2. Canada's first loss. Canada plays Norway Monday and then Czechia on Tuesday before the quarterfinals on Thursday. Baseball today. Blue Jays, Orioles from Toronto. Danny Jansen doesn't get a lot of hits, but had a lot of production. That's his fifth homer there, a solo shot. Jays would take a 5-2 lead in this one, but in the eighth, Ryan O'Hearn will take the Jays' closer, Jordan Romano, deep crushes that slider and puts it over the wall in right center. A three-run shot, ties it at five. It sends it to extra innings, one out in the Oriole 10th. And they'll send the grounder to third. Matt Chapman, he's an all-star at third, but his throw hits the runner in the back. Bit of a bad break. Orioles win at 6-5. Toronto has lost five of six this week. English Premiership, Arsenal and Nottingham Forest. Gunners need to win to keep their title hopes alive, but a bad start. Nottingham Forest on the attack, and it's Tewo Awani who chips it in for the goal. Nottingham Forest in danger of relegation, but they hang on for the 1-0 win, so that guarantees they'll be back in the Premier League next year. Arsenal's loss means Manchester City clinched the championship without even playing today, but you can bet Man City will celebrate in their match at home tomorrow against Chelsea. The Lions training camp continues in Kamloops for a couple of more weeks. You can imagine the players are pretty sore going through the vigorous workouts, getting ready for the season. So a way to settle the muscles and joints down is the ice bath, a very common form of battling all the inflammation. So our Jay Janauer, like the reporter he is, decided to take the plunge with Lions defensive back Gary Peters. 
This will officially be the coldest interview I've ever done in my life. Also, perhaps one of the coolest. Yeah. Definitely. Gary, we're going to do the ice bath? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. I hate the cold, so let's do it. <laughs> Are we getting all the way in? Do we take time when we do this? Yeah, we, we, uh, we can start at the top and then work in. Or, yeah, for sure, yeah. Okay, so. Two questions, then we'll slide in. So how often do you and your teammates do this? So we try to do it every day after practice, uh, give or take. I'll do it probably like once or twice a week. But most of the guys try to get in every day because it really refreshes your legs. Do you ever get used to this, let's just say uh, ice cube feeling that I'm feeling right now after my knees? No, you can never get used to it. Every time you get in, it's like a shock to me, I feel like. The deeper you get in, the worse. When do we slide in? I guess we'll, and I never get all the way in. Let's do it. Welcome. Do you, uh, do you ever get used to this? No, I'm not used to it right now. How does it feel? Cold, <laughs> cold. Okay, so you've got the current Ironman streak going. Just try to breathe. 68 straight games that you've played. Definitely. How much do you think this has helped you play 68 straight games? No, tremendously, I feel like. I feel like uh, taking care of the body every day after practice is very essential to uh, long-term success. Whether it's cold tub, Normatec treatment, just spending an hour or two after practice just taking care of the body, I feel like it's major. And this feels like you have brand new legs every day, after, every day for practice. I saw one of your teammates in the cold bath yesterday and a bunch of the guys were waiting and I said, yeah. tell me that there's a, an unspoken rule or maybe a written rule that there is no warming up the water internally, if you know what I mean. Oh yeah, no, 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 heck no. If it's, if it's getting, to, if the ice is melting, we need more ice. That's how they look at it. <laughs> he, not, to, he told me, I'm not gonna name his name, he said in college he was known to warm the water. Yeah, and I've seen some of the guys on the team, like they really get all the way in. Some people submerge or get put their head under water, but for me, I'm a waist down type of guy. I use my legs on the field, so that's all I, I really need. I'm feeling something in my legs and my toes. I'm not sure what it is, oh, they're, though. They're going numb. For sure. uh -huh. Definitely going numb. Uh huh. But I feel like you'll, you'll, it, tomorrow will pay off for you. Thanks for providing me with the coolest nah, interview I've ever done in my appreciate life. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for getting in here and just taking yourself into our world to see what we go through on a daily basis. I'm impressed. Appreciate that. Well, Jay's Good pretty brave. I, I need my uh, bath water at exactly 95 degrees, <laughs> so that's a little little warmer than what they were in. I do prefer that yeah. as well. All right, thanks so much, Barry. <laughs> well, coming up on the news hour, one of the more popular features of some BC ferries is about to sail away. More on that when we come back. From the stories that affect us all to a look at what's happening right now around us. When BC needs to connect, BC turns to the source that brings us together. Global News. For my mother. My friend. For my wife. For myself. Our grandpa. Who will you walk for? Join us May 28th to honor people in our communities affected by dementia. Register and fundraise at walkforalzheimers.ca in partnership with Global BC. Well, the Pacific Buffet at BC Ferries has been closed for several years and it appears the service will be shelved entirely. The BC Ferries CEO says it has been a challenge during the pandemic to adequately staff food service, including the buffet. The Pacific Buffet was available only on select sailings between Vancouver and Victoria. With the service now on ice, they'll be looking at ways at improving food service with customers' feedback in mind. Many passengers today express their disappointment about the end of the ferry feast.
The pandemic has not been kind to buffets, and it's not just on ferries. Uh, food service generally, we're looking at food service in these amazing spaces, because they are beautiful spaces on the vessels that have them. Uh, for a business model that fits 2023. Uh, we're doing that work. The biggest uh, thing I'd say is that customers are going to have a voice in what these spaces look like. That's unfortunate because uh, that was uh, utilized by a lot of my friends and myself. That was a good deal. It would be nice to have it open, to have that option instead of paying you know, almost 20 bucks or more for a burger at White Spot. I think a Starbucks would be good for sure. It'll make a whole lot of business. And Barry, you have strong opinions I on this. I love the Pacific Buffet. It makes the trip go faster. And, you know, when can you have a, a good bowl of chowder and a glass of wine? You know, it, makes, it makes the trip easier, to, especially if you have children. You know? yes. Anyway, no, I'm going to miss that. That's too bad. Hopefully they'll uh, come up with something. Yeah. What about you, Yvonne? Yeah, it's just <laughs> nice to have the option, right? Then you feel like, especially on a long weekend, you feel like you're on a vacation. Right. Yes. Kick back, relax. Okay, well, on that note. You'll have to start a petition. <laughs> well, on that note, being a long weekend, what's the weather going to be like? Well, again? those who maybe wanted a bit of a break from the heat, we'll see that tomorrow. We've got actually a bit of cloud in the mix. It'll be a touch cooler. A few isolated showers could pop up, and then we'll rebound for the latter half of our weekend, our long weekend on Monday, back to work and school, and then Wednesday, Thursday. It's actually quite pleasant into next week with dry conditions. Sunny skies and dry just for tomorrow, a bit of a blip. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being with us. Have a great night.